Welcome to the Makom Israel Teachers Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners with Israel by discussing and exploring current events and relevant issues. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Doing great, Mike. Okay, and we are also joined by frequent panelist, Benji Davis. How are you, Benji? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We are recording this in the intermediate days of the Festival of Booths, Cholomoed <laughs> Sukkot. And so uh, we are going to discuss today what BDS is, what effect has it had and not had, and what should, how, do, how should we as Jews who love Israel uh, respond to BDS. Now, it has popped up in the news, Alan. Why? Uh, it's popped up in the news because Omar Barghouti, who f- founded BDS, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions Movement, um, is actually also an Israeli citizen. He's a Palestinian national with Israeli citizenship who was actually uh, educated in Israel at uh, Tel Aviv University. Um, and so the government is now wanting, or certain members of the government, want to rescind his citizenship. Um, so it's kind of popped up in the news and, of course, brings in issues of, you know, of uh, rights. Civil liberty and civil versus national security. security and all we that. We discuss kind of, that often. Right. Yeah. Not uh, a constitutional and a non-constitutional country <laughs> issues, right. let's say. Um uh, but who is Omar Barghouti? Omar Barghouti, as we said, he's an Israeli citizen who's a Palestinian national, who's Palestinian. Um, and he founded this movement called Boy- Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions really on the, at the end of the Second Intifada. You, you could almost say this is why, how I kind of talk about it very generally in class, right? The, um, you have uh, with uh, up until like from 1967 or from 1948, you have Palestinians who uh, are I- involved in, you could say, a a, a, a a struggle. We're talking about now not uh, Arab, not, a, not Israeli citizens, but a struggle with Israel, usually mostly coming through wars, right? 48, 67, 73, and they're joining mostly, for the most part, Israel's, um, Israel's enemies there in the Arab world. Um, with Oslo in the early 1990s is a change. All of a sudden, we're making peace with the Palestinians, and those barriers break down. And even though there is violent conflict between different Palestinian groups, because, of course, you cannot look at the Palestinian world monolithically, you still have uh, different groups. We're making, we're making peace, right? Then that kind of falls apart with the Second Intifada, which starts in the year 2000. And then we're back fighting again. But now the, the fight is directly just between Palestinians and Israelis, um, mostly Palestinians, almost mostly Palestinians who are not Israeli citizens. Um, and that clash is going on really led by the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank versus Israel. And that lasts about five years between 2000 and 2005. But Israel... I think universally, it's very clear that Israel came out way on top mm-hmm. of the Second Intifada, even with all the losses, the thousand people were killed and all the terribleness and our, our psychosis that has come from it, our PTSD as a society. Israel came up way on top of that. On, and and Palestinian, I think Omar Barghouti recognized this, and he realized that the shift that the Palestinians need to make now is a political shift in the world. Mm-hmm. And that political shift was the founding of the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions Movement, which was trying to break it out outside, really, the Palestinians. It was not directed at the Palestinians. Mm-mm. The Palestinians aren't the ones boycotting Israel. If they did, they probably wouldn't have anything to eat, mm-hmm. because their economy is so dependent on Israel, right. either for employment or for produce or for products. And by the way, Israel also is semi-dependent on them, for mm-hmm. workers, for 
we're also produce things they we're produce. You know, we're an intertwined economy. So or Lulav's good, excellent. So really, he realized, okay, let's go to the international um, uh, world and try and put pressure on the international world to pressure Israel. To, to make concessions, you could say, to, to Palestinians, which it basically gets into what's their goal. But to, to know that the BDS is not really Palestinians directed at Israel, it's the international community. It's trying to get the international community to wage a political war on Israel. Undermine Labels. Israel. Good. Undermine. Lab- labels Israel as apartheid and, and, puts, and, and using a similar approach that anti-apartheid activists use in South Africa to break right. the apartheid policy there in South Africa. But this is not to break a policy in Israel. It is to undermine Israel itself. I would say in the same way for South Africa, it's to promote regime change. Uh, yeah. So, but, but in a much more fundamental and dramatic way. It's to right. end the Jewish state. Uh, and we'll get, we'll Just get as it ends the white apartheid state. Okay. It's in the same place, same it, boundaries, same territories. Change the regime. It belongs yeah. not to that people, but to the other people. Now, BDS stands for Boycott, Divest, and Sanction. Boycott right. is on the level of small, is smaller economic. individual, right? Economic. economic. Divest is organizations and universities. Right. And, and pensions, plans, big, right. big, big, big financial Bigger entities, big financial stocks, financial pensions, huge corporations. And sanction is at the level of governments that they right. should they should treat Israel as a pariah right. state. Or but by the way that's also I think academic to some degree, right? The academic that's sanctions, boycott. you know, boycott. Academic boycott. boycott, right? Uh, then you have their th- those are the three methods. What are the three goals? Right, uh, and occupation. Meaning, erase the walls between the West 67 Bank. 67 borders. Go right. back to The six, West Bank and yeah. Gaza should be included into one country with Israel. Right of return for all refugees. Meaning, however many. Six million plus. Possibly. Palestinians can move back and claim citizenship in Israel. And, uh, and the apartheid uh, and discrimination against Arab citizens of Israel. Meaning all the Arabs in the West Bank and Gaza should also become citizens of no, Israel. No, 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 that's no. refugees. The, the, they claim that there's the minority this. status of the uh, uh, Arab-Israeli citizens. They're, they are discriminated against or oppressed. It's apartheid on citizens of Israel, Israel. which are ethnically yeah. Arab. So yeah. once you've allowed millions of more Arabs to move here and become citizens uh, in a democratic state, what would happen to the Jewish identity of the state? Well, either the state would no longer be democratic if there's a Jewish minority, and they would say, okay, welcome all the refugees, we can still have a Jewish state, and we'll just, just change the way democracy. we govern. But, um, most but that's likely, not a stable situation. Uh, it's an awful situation for it would lead many to reasons. Civil and, war. and certainly not what BDS wants. Right. Right, then it, there would be a, no, a state for no one. But if you um, understand and we believe that Israel is a democracy and will continue to be a democracy, uh, an ethnic liberal democracy then the way that it would continue is simply that one ethnic group has to have a majority in any ethnic liberal democracy. And if there is a immigration and citizenship for 6 million non-Jewish ethnics, then the Jews would be a minority, and whatever ethnic group has the majority, which would be the Arabs or Palestinians, then the state would no longer be a Jewish state, but it would be whatever state those people would define it as, and most likely they would call it the national state of the Palestinian And the claim people. of BDS is that it would remain a liberal democracy under Arab a- aegis, and that the Jews would then, and the Arabs would then live in peace like... The I, Jews would now be the minority. Right. As a minority in a non-Jewish yeah. state. It would kind of switch, it would just be what we have now. Instead of a Jewish state with right. an Arab minority, you would have an Arab state 
with a Jewish minority. Right. Which most people who understand the region understand is not likely. I mean, philosophically. Uh, philosophically, I understand what they're saying, but it wouldn't... The idea that there would be a new Arab democracy in the Middle East... Does not hold based on what has happened the last decade in the Middle East. Not if you look at Palestinian governance, the Palestinian street, the Palestinian public opinion. And, and there are no indicators that that would be a successful uh, I mean, exercise. Or just the different revolutions and civil wars that have happened in this region. Yeah. Also, what BDS is not recognizing is the political agency of Jewish Israelis. Yeah. And just not considering them to have a voice at all. Well, or to be equal right. human beings, Well, it doesn't perhaps. recognize their right to claim to be a national indigenous people in this part of the world. It claims they are a religious colonialist group that are suppressing the indigenous people. Or human beings with a moral claim to safety and security. Or most of Well, no, Jewish... they would be safe and secure in the liberal mm-hmm. democracy. No, but it's not. Palestine. That assumption is so far away right. from reality because right. the experience of the majority of Jewish Israelis is they came to Israel simply because they were Jewish, they were living in the Arab world, and were yeah. not safe and secure, right. and therefore immigrated to Israel. Right. So now you're asking those people with that specific political story to say, okay, the, the reason why you came here, you're going to go back to that situation, and good right. luck. And I would guess that people who participate in BDS are a mixture of people who know that and don't care and people who are short-sighted and ignorant. I'd uh, be curious to know the numbers on I, that. I would assume most people have no idea. Yeah. I would assume. Probably and the le- I would assume the I, leadership knows pretty would, much what right. they're doing. Omar Barghouti understands. I'd be more a little bit more generous with the people who, who come on. Yes, Omar Barghouti is particularly manipulating this and the leaders of He knows PBS. what he's talking about. Exactly. And I don't think he cares a but I think, bit that it would mean the massacre of millions of Jews. I think most j- people... Well, massacre is a... I wouldn't use that word. Genocide? It's going to if lead you were to predicting genocide. What would happen to a Jewish majority without control in this state? What would you predict would happen here? Mass migration. Uh, yeah, there would be definitely a lot of deaths. This is all assumptions. Like, yeah, I don't it's know, not, but it's I would a really ugly scenario. I, I'm going. There to, would be. We would be able to defend ourselves. I think because people would still have. You know, we'd have our militia army. Whatever it would be. I mean, this is like a crazy war yeah, game. They can't a, even think it about. Is, it is a non-starter. I just don't think genocide By the way, or massacre. It also rejects would international consensus that Israel has the right to exist as a Jewish state. It rejects international law. It rejects the autonomous rights, as you said, of the Jews. It is. In, in, claim, in framing itself in the language of liberal democracy and human rights and values, it is hiding its agenda, which, again, I think Barghouti is doing with, with full knowledge. Oh, for sure. It is, is hiding its agenda of destroying an internationally agreed upon legal state with a right to exist. So, so I'd like to reflect and do all hate, right? In the spirit of Yom Kippur, which was not far, uh, uh, not a, far away, a, 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 a confession, a, a confession of, atonement. of atonement, when we say, you know, for the sins that I've committed. And be generous towards the people on college campuses who get involved in BDS. When I was on college campus many years ago, uh, when it was the Did you anti- say many eons ago, Alan? You're not that old, are you? <laughs> I am. Because that was when the divestment movement for South Africa, the anti-apartheid movement was very, very the one of the major issues on college campus. Mm-hmm. I was very involved in that on my college campus, Clark University. I was one of the very, very involved. And I would say, like looking back, my, my confession here is that I knew nothing. Like I know now like that right. I thought I knew stuff. I read stuff. Again, it was pre-internet. 
that's how many eons. But, I, you know, I read, I tried to be uh, knowledgeable. But when I look at it, I had no real concept of South African history, the complexity of the economy, the complexity of the, right? I'm not saying that it was moral. I'm not, God forbid, I'm not changing my, and saying it was moral. But I really did not understand the issues enough to be. You jumped in with both feet in an issue you didn't yeah, understand. Now, it because, turns out because you're understanding. You weren't being manipulated to believe false things. Correct. You were trusting leaders that they were telling you basically right. the, the, enough of the story that you But I, I had a superficial understanding of the moral implications of right. that. So someone who's now presented to something on campus. That's the genius of Barguti. A, a, a superficial understanding of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, that these guys are neo-colonialists and they're keeping down this side. And you know the best thing would be to have a binational state which is a democracy, and so just yeah, like you that know, works, the Arabs, that works in wh- Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why? Why? Why wouldn't that make sense? And I think someone who knows things superficially looks at it. Uh, again, I'm being generous to the people who are being pulled on. Is is very uh, is very attractive. Which means Let's you're say. being ungenerous to its leadership for for using mm-hmm. false propaganda Correct. to fool people into doing yes. something evil when they think they're doing good. And I, yeah. I agree with you. I think that's yeah. exactly what's going on. People probably, well-intentioned people, including many Jews, yeah. are being manipulated into taking really an evil, illegal yeah. position in the name of legality and morality. Right. But that's yes. pretty common in any kind of post-colonial movement, right? Where they're not taking the considerations or the autonomy of, you know. Is it? The, I think so. Okay. It doesn't make it cool. I don't know that. I don't know how many. No, examples. but it's like on campus. You know, it's all like uh, Alan joined. I'm assuming, right? The uh, boycotting apartheid South Africa because, like, they are the you know the embodiment of evil in the world. They are this powerful group oppressing yeah, a clear minority. Get, right, exactly. So it was in, evil. I mean, you 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 treated people differently under the law based on their ethnicity. So I mean, based on their race. So the, the challenge, based on their race, whatever. So the challenge is, is like you. Right. We I think it's what Alan said. Right. You apply yeah. that frame, and now you just say, okay, this way of understanding the world. This is how you can understand every single political right. Look, moment was, throughout the world. Right. It's just saying is that there are oppressive groups uh, taking over power of people that should actually have the power. To me, the last word on this was when. Uh, BDS approach Steve Van Zandt, who led the cultural fight against apartheid with the We Ain't Gonna Play Sun City movement that international artists refused to play uh, in South Africa mm-hmm. and was very successful. And there was a cultural boycott of South Africa. When Steve Van Zandt was approached by BDS to lead, to join, the role eventually that was taken over by Roger Waters. Yeah. When Steve Van Zandt was offered that, Steve Van Zandt publicly said, what are you people talking about? This is this is entirely different. This is a much more complex, difficult situation. And you can't just treat it that simply as this is apartheid. It's not. Apartheid was a, a, a clearer moral problem that could be addressed with boycott. This isn't that problem. So Roger Waters... They fooled by bringing in and saying, look, a wall. And he said, oh, I wrote an album about a wall. You know? I don't know if they fooled him or he... Whatever it is, right. I I, I yeah. do think I I think he's done some pretty nasty things. I think he's a moron. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's swallowed the propaganda hook, line, and sinker, and believes it to the core of his being right. without doing due diligence to check it. I just think though the South African model, it like I don't I think you dove in and I think it was I don't think you needed to be so informed because it it seems I mean maybe in hindsight but it's just really clear 
Whereas That's here in Israel, right. it's it's yeah. I'm just like saying, saying for, yes, sir, you're. I'm just saying for me, how much did I you know really know about South Africa? That's my point, right? right? And I didn't really know that. But much. it's so I just you back. didn't do that much due diligence, yeah. and today's students aren't doing due diligence. Yeah. But the leaders of that because, movement, like Steve Van Zandt, who right. were making public awareness of it, were in good faith saying, "Look, I did the due diligence. Trust me." And today's leaders are saying, "Not in good faith." That's what you're it's saying. It's not in good. Right. Faith. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all agreed. Yeah. Uh, what effect have they had on Israel? Nothing. Well, 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 you have to see. Well, you have to define that question. What do you mean by on Israel? Who has boycotted, divested, and sanctioned this? Oh, you mean the economic, like, like economic, an economic effect? A- academic, economic, economic, and cultural boycott of Israel. I think probably the most successful is in the academic frame, <laughs> uh, actually, and that's not so much. Okay, so I realize that this so is much. not uh, entirely faithful due diligence to check on yeah. Wikipedia, but on the Wikipedia page, there have been statements of academic boycott right as of march 2018 resolutions to endorse ha- have not had any effect on college investment decisions not investment no but i'm talking the academic in terms so of the american uh, teachers. studies association joined the boycott of yeah. israeli institutions the question is I- i'm not talking about economic i'm talking yeah. about the the perception certainly that academics have a harder time Using Israeli, using Israelis, academics have a harder time. But they do. Um, Israeli places, are, yeah. And and the the popularity, at least, of the media, whether it's again how, how much it's because media of of preventing uh, Israeli speakers on campuses, or at least making brouhaha's. But that's yeah, I don't it. know if that. Impact, I'm saying that's I think that's the most success. That, yeah. I'm saying the most yeah. it may not be a success, but I'm saying what that's about the most, business and economics? Business economics, I think it's negligible. If there uh, is Soda a, Stream had to move from Malad Dumim to the Negev. Although that so. wasn't necessarily a result of BDS. I think there, it was already yeah. in the works. It's just the timing made it seem Not like. a major change. Uh, in 2013, Luxembourg State Pension Fund no longer uses Israeli banks. Uh, Norway's YMCA joined the boycott. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> and a company called Crepes and Waffles mm. now no longer uses the British security company G4S because they work with right Israel. all over Israel. Mm. And in Canada, uh, products are labeled made in Israel. And I think Europe, there's always back and forth in Europe uh, where they're going to um, label things made in the West Bank. I think, I mean, BDS is annoying for Israelis, yeah. sorry, because yeah. sometimes the cultural boycotts are annoying. Uh, artists have I wanted to go to a concert, and now that concert's not going to happen. I wanted to see Lord, yeah. and Lord didn't come. Yeah. By the way, a lot of that I've also read is, is not really necessarily BDS uh, uh, BDS successes, but rather Israel has, over the over the last number of years, Ben could actually probably talk better than I could on this, but have been has been uh, inundated with concerts mm-hmm. to the point where it has not become uh, uh, financially profitable for so many because Israel has a small population and huge big acts can't fill fill the amount that they need to come here. So I thought mm. I heard that that's actually uh, yeah. has so we, been a more part of the cancellations as opposed to BDS. In other words, BDS is claiming those when it's actually really more of an has nothing to do with it. Well, uh-huh. here's here's another measure. But Ben can uh, give me a, f- a thumbs up on what he's heard or not, or he's not <laughs> sure. He doesn't know, so. <laughs> BDS was created in 2005, correct? Yeah. Uh, between 2006 and 2015, the gross domestic product of Israel has nearly doubled. Financial <laughs> investment in Israel has nearly tripled. There you go. So, so, so we, we, as, as a country that survived an Arab boycott until the 90s, from, right. from 40. 48 till 90 whatever 
uh, I don't know if it was 92 or 93. Then, I mean, that was, was big. when I It was, was rescinded with Oslo, as we talked yeah, about before. 93, 94. Yeah. And, you know, you couldn't buy a, uh, Pepsi in Israel or Doritos or any of those. Right. And all sorts of international products uh, that no, absorbed the Arab boycott. No international products, right? None. There we were no Coke, international companies. Which oh, were Pratt Coke was here and Subaru. Yeah. But I'm taking the big, like, in terms of all the different, like, McDonald's and all of those things. They had here, to they choose between the entire Arab world and Israel, and they chose the entire Arab world. Obviously. Right. And Israel survived, and its economy functioned. Not- it's now booming. Well, the boycott dropped. Israel survived boycott, real boycott. Right. By the way, but the, the, it, it ended again with Oslo. Oslo, because yeah. when the world saw, oh, Israel and Palestinians are making peace and the arabs start talking and we get a peace deal not only with egypt but jordan and he says oh, okay now we can invest in israel yeah it's a market worth uh, going into alan it. has a nice shtick on the positive consequences yeah. of oslo right that's it that's it and as we look at oslo just as a microcosm of between israelis and palestinians we could say it's a failure it changed our international but it certainly changes our international though. standing it inter- and therefore changes our economic and if we see the economic it's one of the major fun uh uh, parts of Israel's uh, economic boom since nice you just give all the statistics opens comes up from India Oslo, and China along with research and development internet and Russian Aliyah all kinds of things but, where where yeah. has BDS had a tremendous effect on diaspora Jewry diaspora yeah. Jewry especially young diaspora Jews who have to encounter constant pretty visceral propaganda on by the way not only diaspora Jews but also in the I'd say further liberal wing of politics, it has uh, normalized really uh, pretty horrific vitriol and negativity and lies about Israel injected into, into the far left of different governments. And that has made Jews, the majority of whom lean liberal politically, deeply uncomfortable in their skin uh, and pushed them back on their heels and made their Jewish identity much more complicated and made many Jews less proud of their Jewish identity. And fearful. Yeah. Um, I think it impacts two types. One is just Jew- being Jewish, right? And how one feels about being Jewish, being threatened, but also being Jewish and having a, sp- a specific political opinion against Israel. Because on the one hand, you have Jews on campus, right, that are, you know, being alienated. Um, not included in certain spaces because they associate being Jewish with Israel. But then you also, let's say, Jews that do um, um, feel for BDS and adopt BDS policies, and then they try and come into the state of Israel, and Israel's like, wait, you're a BDS person? You want to boycott us? No, we're just going to boycott you. You can go home. So it, it's this kind of effect. On the one hand, it, it affects these two types of Jews. I don't know if that conversation is necessarily being had. Um, it's because you're Jewish... Uh, either there's a big problem with you or because you're Jewish and you have this specific political opinion, we have a problem with you. Yeah, and it's polarized the conversation in a way that is unhelpful for honesty, but also pretty damaging to Jewish comfort and identity in the diaspora. Uh, my my question is sort of, and I guess... By the way, which we I don't think we are, but we should not uh, underestimate the power of that. Yeah, uh, I'm not, that is power not a minimum. Power of what? Right. Of, of undermining that Jewish identity and that connection with Israel. That's no small thing. That's yeah. not remotely their goal. Yeah, I correct. think their goal is to damage the state of Israel, which, you know, it's having almost, not no effect, but pretty negligible. Right. And its damage to diaspora communities and is, is severe. And one could fear that by changing the political dynamic around Israel over time, and I mean, they've had over, they've had a decade and a half 
to do damage to Israel's standing politically in the world. And they haven't achieved much success, but I guess the idea is that as these young people grow up in that environment, when they become leaders, maybe down the right. line that could do damage. I, I don't know that that's true because because people eventually see through the the garbage it's and the contributing lies. to the rift between American Jewry and Israeli Jewry yeah. by far. That's probably the biggest impact. Yeah, uh, wh- think, whose side are you uh, on? You think it's I, I think the biggest impact, impact is, is, is is inertia of is 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 in, in, is that discomfort. That discomfort of a Jew with his own identity ultimately leads to apathy. And it's, I think, diminishing mm-hmm. and weakening Jewish identity in the diaspora. And right. strengthening the voices of a small minority. Yeah. If something, uh, if something is nigglingly difficult for me to think about and creates a conscious dissonance, then I just avoid thinking about it. So my Jewishness becomes less important. So, so my question is, more or less in closing, is how are we supposed to respond to this? Because we have an organization which is pretty impotent in terms of actually achieving its goals. And to scream about it as a threat brings it up to the level of, it makes it a public relation, it elevates its public relations profile. The more you scream about it as a threat, the higher you elevate it, and the more powerful it becomes where it is achieving victories, which is in the public relations sphere. In the actual world, it's not achieving. On the other hand, to ignore a group that's lying and aligning Israel, you can't ignore something that's threatening. Somebody spreading enormous lies about you, you have to address it. But if you if you elevate them into a equal worth debating, you then elevate their profile and give them a higher platform. You raise their platform to spread their lies mm-hmm. louder. Look, Israel officially has a, I think it's a government committee, I'm not sure exactly what its status is, that, that's supposed to deal with BDS. What about the Strategic Affairs money. Ministry? Yeah, I think that's a committee in the Strategic Affairs. But yeah. what else do they do? Oh, maybe that's all. Maybe I think that's all, all they do. It could be. Millions of shekels go to... I would hope that they were engrossed with, with solving this particular problem, <laughs> but I am turning to you gentlemen as um, my Strategic Affairs I remember I went to a conference experts. a couple years ago from... Uh, oh, they had a conference, I remember I went that. to the conference a couple years ago. Um, talking about, but that was a little bit part of the debate then. I mean, yep. that was the debate then. How much do we put a spotlight on this? And where do we put the spotlight? So I think... Well, I would say that, that if you're going to address a problem, so you have to see what the problem is having its most effect. So if its most effect is really on diaspora jury and how the diaspora jury um, sees their identity and how this fixed, so that's where you have to really focus on and not worry as much about the economic and all that, which we see as having negligible effect, but rather how do we help diaspora Jews to understand BDS, what they're trying to do, and where they are manipulating um, false, uh, not just false, lies and propaganda, lying propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. Some of this is good propaganda right. too, but lying propaganda um, to, as we said in the beginning, as Benji said, uh, to undermine the state. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where the fight has to be. Um, and uh, how, how does that have to be? Hey, look, we're teachers, so the answer is always education. Right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> they under, but practically speaking, they undermine Zionist as an identity, yeah, and that's right. that's a very practical thing that is happening all over spaces mm-hmm. where nice. young liberal Jews are going out to fight for social justice causes that are really, really important to them, and then someone's like, "Wait, you're a Jew? What do you think about Israel? Or you're just a Jew? You're not welcome here." Mm-hmm. Um, because we know you support Israel. No, just because you're a Jew. you won't join because BDS. No, it's just an assumption that right. Jew assumption. equals Israel right. occupation, right. Israeli apartheid. Right. 
Which and is racist. So, yes. So now the big the challenge is uh, is either a uh, is it about educating said liberal diaspora Jewry to be able to explain them the legitimacy of Zionism and their own identity as a human being, etc. Or perhaps on the, let's say, organized American Jewish community to try and have educational efforts that one can be a liberal person and also a Zionist. And these liberal Zionists should be welcome into these spaces. Hmm. Yeah, look, I, you know, ultimately, we're all going to agree that, like Alan said, as educators, we're right. going to fall to education. But I do think... Who's the target audience, I think, is the big no, question. But, but when we talk about BDS... I think, like in most things, panicking is counterproductive. We shouldn't talk like our hair is on fire. We should talk, uh, it's an audio medium, but I wanted, I'm want <laughs> flicking my hand on my shoulder, you know, that gesture of like, they're just, they're just ridiculous. We should talk about them as what they are. They're a bunch of propagandist liars who are duping people, and we should call them out for what they are in, 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 a, in a mocking tone and educate people what the truth is, what the facts are, what the real agenda is. We should do the math for them, that their demands mean the end of a Jewish state, which is legal under international law. So, so we, we should call them out with simplicity, directness, and dismissal as evil propagandists and not as an actual political organization. But still being open to political dissent. I think is very important. Of course. Oh, I think also was, I like what Benzie said. I just want to sort of re, re, Go ahead. reinforce I like that. that. Um, and talking about the idea of Zionist identity, the importance of, of helping uh, Jews in the diaspora to at least understand Zionist identity, yeah. if not even hopefully the next level of developing their own Zionist identity, which is... Uh, which is the core we, of understanding the, the the political rights of the Jewish people. The existence um, of the state of Israel. We've yeah. encountered many educators who have said to us things along the lines of, mm, I'm uncomfortable using the Z word. Oh, yeah. Zionism yeah. has become toxic and I want to use it. Yeah. That is a very dangerous surrender that will yeah. undermine Jewish identity yeah. in the diaspora. Right, because if you understand what Zionism is, you understand that Zionism is the political movement of the Jewish people. Yeah. So why should that be the claim to nation? A problem. Our three thousand year yeah. identity as a nation, and and that nation having rights like every other nation on earth. Zionism isn't the claim that the Jews are different and deserve different rights. Right. Our Zionism is the claim that the Jews are the same as everybody and deserve the same rights. Mm -hmm. And so by undermining that, even if you claim to be operating in the name of values and morality and human rights and democracy, you are not. And that that's what needs mm -hmm. to be called out and explained. And and they should be belittled for being aggressively evil in trying to use the tools of good for evil. I, I hate to put it into such cliche language, but I think that that is incumbent on all of us to do as well as we can without running around with our hair on fire and treating this as a global international threat. Yeah, Benji's doing the... Uh, you know, the sort of the dandruff flick motion that I was doing before, which is <laughs> just like, ugh. like we can be disgusted with them without being afraid of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed? Agreed. Okay, resolution to agree to be disgusted but not afraid of BDS. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Benji. Thank you Good for to having see me. You. Always thank a you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Ben, our engineer, for bringing us to the end of the episode, which this is bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Macomb Israel Teachers Lounge podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Join us next time.